very careful. You may find yourself getting caught up into it. You may find yourself discouraged in the times that you live in. You may find yourself wondering. The uncertainty of things may look so close and so near to you. But I came to announce to you that there is a God that we serve. If we can just trust and obey him. If we can just trust and obey him. And I pray that we'll continue to hold on to the Lord, our God, that we serve. Let your faith not be in any man. But let your faith be in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. Through it all, we have learned to trust him. Through it all, we have learned to know that he is the God that makes a way where there seems to be no way. So I don't know what what you have experienced these past few weeks. But you are here today because God has preserved you. Yesterday, when we, some of us went to this funeral, and I kept wondering in my mind, such a young age, a man can be taken away. Yet, that makes us understand that we serve a God whose time is always the best time. We serve a God who knows all things. And it's necessary that we don't live our life according to our time. But we live our life according to his time. Hallelujah. The subject matter that has been given is continuing as we are trying to finish our series for the year 2021 that has gone into 2022, which is totally great. I actually love that because I believe that we don't need to rush when it comes to the word of God. We need to receive the fullness of what God has given to us. So we can be able to run with it. Tell your neighbor, run with it. We are dealing with the subject of praise concerning his people. And the um, main context of it was our identity and service in praise. Our identity and service in praise. And the subtitle that I was given was put off the old self. Tell somebody, put off the old self. I pray that you will be taking notes because it is necessary that the child of God be a student of the word. Hallelujah. But as the title has been given to us, put off the old self, I want to just add what I felt the Lord was leading me to really bring to the attention and the heart of the people of God, which is the title, the first and the second man. Say the first and the second man. Oh, tell your neighbor, the first and the second man. To truly understand what uh, the Lord is trying to teach us today about the first and the second man, we need to really understand the subject called need. Tell somebody need. Yeah. You cannot understand this first man and understand the fullness of the second man until you understand what it means to have a need. Because we all have needs. But our needs sometimes have the virtue to determine where we end up. Because likewise, the Bible makes us understand a certain man had a need. In the book of Genesis 25, if you read from 29 going, the Bible says that Esau and his brother, you know, and, and his brother Jacob, Esau came to Jacob and said, I am hungry. Give me some of the stew and let me eat. Because I'm about to die. Esau had a need. And by virtue of that need, he was willing to relinquish or give away the very thing that defined who he was. What made Esau who he was, was that he carried the the position of the birthright of the firstborn. But because of need, he was willing to let go of that destiny. He was willing to trade that birthright. What am I saying here to you, people of God? Means that when we don't come to recognize how we deal with our need, we may end up trading away the precious things that God has given to us. 
Because today we may have a need. The child of God needs to know where they need to put their focus on. Because if you don't, you know, come to the place where to put your focus on, then you will be willing to trade anything that you have. But I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you never trade away the value of your birthright to the pleasures of this world. I pray that you never trade away the grace of God that has been bestowed over your life. I wish I had a church here. I pray that you will never trade away what makes you unique, what makes you a precious child of God, what makes you a holy nation, what makes you a child of the living God. You will not trade away what the Lord has blessed you with. Say, I will not trade away. need because when we understand this place called need we understand exactly where we ought to go next when we have a need people are willing to do anything to fulfill and satisfy their need but I pray that the child of God will not lose sight of who they are Because I have a need. And I believe that we are living in time that one of the things that the body of Christ have neglected and we keep neglecting and we keep neglecting is that when we are faced with need, we don't seek after the original thing that we truly need. We don't seek after the things that when we receive that need, it doesn't matter what may come our way. I was saying to some one of my daughters recently that the Bible says that seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when you seek it, it says that all things will be what? All things will be what? Mean that nothing else matters. Nothing else is more superior. But when you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else. And that kingdom of God and his righteousness is the word of the living God. When you seek the word of God, it doesn't matter what may come your way. It doesn't matter what you may go through. When you make the word of God your need, your personal need, that I need to be filled with the word, I need to walk with the word, I need to know the word, then it does not matter where you may find yourself. As long as the word is with you, nothing can destroy you, nothing can break you, because the Bible says all things will pass away, but the word will remain. The word will remain. Your trouble will pass away. The pain will pass away. What people have been saying about you will pass away. But if you have the word in you, all things will pass away. But what remains is the word of God that sustains you. So Apostle Paul brought our attention to a very important place about this word. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16. The Bible says, and this is from the Amplified Version, every scripture is God's breath given by inspiration means that every scripture that we ourselves we uphold today it is spirit and life and it says that it's profitable for instructions say profitable for instructions you see yesterday we we, we bought um, we bought some air purifiers huh? and we we there were two different air purifiers that we purchased. And the one here, when I came and I looked at it, I looked at the instructions, it was simple for us to just say, plug it in, turn it on, and it works. Are you following me here? Yeah. So the one that we purchased for the children's ministry, it's a different model. But what did I do? I went, neglected the instructions, because this instruction was very simple. Because this is actually the, um, what do you call it? The commercial one. So if the commercial one is that simple to handle, then the not, no commercial one is even much easier. That was my thinking. So I went, plugged it in, turned it on, and I heard something saying, bah, 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 bah. I said, oh my God. 
What is happening here? The noise did not seem right. So I quickly turned it back off. And then I read the instructions. And the instructions made me realize that the filters had, you know, rubber covering it. Now those filters, I need to take the rubbers off before I actually make it work. The filters in this machine here, the rubber has already been taken off. Little to my knowledge. But the other one, the instructions, I neglected it. But when I realized that the sound was not right, I had to read the instructions again. Now imagine if I had left and neglected the instructions. The item would not have been able to function according to. It will be alright working, but it will produce not what we want. So when the Bible says it is profitable for instructions, it means that when you receive the word of God as the guide to your life, it profits your next step. It profits your ability to withhandle everything that may come in your life. Tell somebody it is profitable. No, you are not getting me here. It is profitable to you and I. And it says that for reproof, reproof, sorry, and conviction of sin. For reproof and conviction of sin, the scriptures. So when we read the Bible, it will serve a lot of different purposes to us. One, for instructions. Second, for reproof and conviction of sin. Now, conviction of sin is one that most believers want to shy ourselves away from. But we need the word of God to convict us. Hallelujah. Because what happens is that when the word of God is understood, that is where you are able to identify the evidence of sin. You didn't get me here. You see, we are living in times that everybody do what they seem right before God. It's because we don't have the knowledge of God's word. We are living in times whereby, even in the house of God, everybody wants to do what they feel right to do. But you see, when you have the word of God in you, you'll be able to de decide and devise what is true and what is false. But if you don't have the word, then you, when, when sin comes, sin does not present itself to you cause sin. It presents itself to you as if you should know what it is already. As if it is something that will benefit you. But I came to announce to you the man of God who knows the word of the living God. The one who walks with the word of God. The Bible says in the book of Jeremiah, he shall be like a tree planted by the streams of water whose leaves will never wither. You will never experience dryness when you are walking in the conviction of the word of God. You will not just do anything anywhere, anyhow you want, but you will find yourself positioned. Say position. Where God wants you to be positioned. So you can bear forth the fruit he wants you to bear forth. When you come to know the word, it brings light to you, the evidence of sin. But not just only that, but it also makes you come to realize the weakness of sin. Say with me, the weakness of sin. It exposes the camouflage of sin and the weakness of sin. We are living in times that most believers, sometimes we say that we cannot stop the sin that I want. We quote Apostle Paul. The thing that I don't want to do, I find myself still doing. And we keep saying it. But I came to realize that there is something called grace. That is also spoken of in the word. So when the believer continues to sit in sin, it means that they make sin more higher and stronger than them. But then if that be the case, then the Bible may not be saying something true. But I believe that every word of God that has been said is true. 
The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 56, it says that for sin is the, is the sting that results in death, and the Lord gives it its power. Verse 57, but thank God, he gives us victory. He gives us what? Victory over what? Sin. Thank God, he's giving me what? Victory over sin and death. Through who? Jesus. You didn't get to me here. So when a child of God receives Jesus, they now operate in victory. Whatever was their defeat before, now it's no longer their defeat. Now they're able to operate in victory. Victory to rise above every sin. Victory to rise above every deceitful act of the enemy. Say the first man and the second man. Hallelujah. It also says that the word of the Lord also comes to what? Correct. Sin of error and discipline in obedience. And for training in righteousness. Hallelujah. And for training in what? Righteousness. So the context onto which we read from Ephesians 4, verses 20. He says that you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to what? God. In truth and in truth righteousness and what? Holiness. You have not learned Christ. Apostle Paul was speaking to the church of today. You have not so much learned Christ. Because if you have learned Christ, there are three attributes that a believer has to be able to see in their everyday life. One is to put off. Put off the old conduct. Tell somebody or tell yourself, I'm putting off or I have put off the old conduct. Two, is that you walk with a renewed mind of your spirit. There is a renewed mind that operates in you. And I will hit on all these three things very soon. And thirdly, you put on the new man. And this new man was created according to God. And I pause and I say, God. What about the old man? Was he not created? Was he not created? That is why I want to elaborate upon the first man and the second man. When the Bible says put off the old man, it simply means actively and willingly denying access to the old self. The old way of thinking and its nature. Mean that when you come into Christ, the old man, you now deny access to the way you used to think. You deny access to the way you used to act. You deny access to it and say, this is not me any longer. Oh my God. Many of us have been born again. But we still feel comfortable with the nature and the way we think. When the Bible says put off, it's not an instruction that you can take for granted. You didn't get me here. You see, what my brother sitting over there, because he's the only one wearing a coat, or my brother standing here. Bro, can you stand up for a second? He's wearing this jacket. If he is given another gift, a new jacket, he cannot put that new jacket on top of this jacket. It doesn't work. Before that new jacket fits him, 
the way it is supposed to fit him, the old jacket needs to be what? Needs to be what? Put off. But he needs to be intentional to make sure that old jacket is taken off. He needs to come to the awareness for me to experience the blessings of this new jacket. The old jacket needs to what? Come off. So when the Apostle Paul, please have a seat. When the Apostle Paul is saying that put off, it means that whatever was your nature before salvation, put it off. Hallelujah. Oh, you didn't say amen to Jesus. Say put it off. What are we putting off? We are putting off the nature, the attitude of the first man. I want you to take your scriptures to the book of Genesis. And I want to just share light with you briefly about the first man. And what makes us, why we ought to have a desire to get rid of the first man or put off the first man. Now I will read from verse, chapter 2 verses 15. And the Bible says, then, then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not what eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely what? Die. Verse 18. And the Lord said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper, comparable to him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast, and of the field of every bird, and of the air, and brought them to Adam. And now I want you to see something here. To see what he will call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Whatever Adam called each living creature, that was what? Its name. And Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to the very, and every, and, and every pre, beast of the field. But, the, but for Adam, there was not a suitable, there was not one found a helper comparable to him. Now, I want us to jump straight to verses 30, 30, 24. It says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined with his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, and the man and his wife were not what? Ashamed. Say, not ashamed. Chapter 3. And it says, that the, And the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Verse 4, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, according knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to one's wise, to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate it. Said the first man. The first man now has been bought out of the very precious thing that God has given to him. The Bible says that God created man in his own image and likeness. And, Iris, and gave him a simple instruction, do not touch this tree. But the, the, the canality of the evil one, when it showed up, he started to twist the words of God. And the Bible says that the woman saw the tree and believed in the deceitful cannonness 
that the evil one has sowed into his ears. The first man was then automatically, as they ate of the tree, then was brought into the place called carnality. So now, the man that was able to commune with God, the man was able to walk with God, now all of a sudden has lost entrance of communion with God. Because when sin and disobedience come into place, your ability of being able to see who God is, your ability of being able to commune with God, it becomes limited. As a matter of fact, it becomes impossible. Because the Lord that we serve is God of light. So the first man now has been brought into the place called carnality. They have been brought into falsehood. So what am I saying here? So now everything about the first man is a reflection of being carnal. Everything about the first man is a reflection of being false. So the first man can lie and still think the lie is also still true. My God. The first man can believe that they are sick and they will surely die. The first man does not seem to see any sense of hope. The first man, all they know is the place of shame. All they know is the place of discouragement. All they know is the place of depression. The first man, the first man, the first man, all the first man knows is to please himself. The first man. Are you hearing me here? But there is something I want us to learn in this first man. The Bible says in verses 15, he says that when God placed Adam, he says, he placed him in the middle of the garden and says, tend it and what? Keep it. The original language of these two words are very important to our life. Because if you don't understand your originality, then you always operate based on false things. You get me here. If you don't know who you are, if you don't know your identity, then your, everything that you do will be outside of your what? Your identity. And if you do things outside of your purpose, outside of what, your, your, your God-given purpose, outside of the divine purpose, then everything that you do is out of what? Falsehood. You have been called to be a preacher. You prefer to do what you feel like you want to do. You have been called to be a worshiper, but you choose to let your worship glorify yourself, make fame for yourself. He said, tend it and keep it. To tend it means to serve what I've given to you. How do you serve it? You serve it by worshiping the maker that made everything. So man's very command, when God gave life to man and brought man into existence, was for service of worship. He says, keep it. To keep it. Is to act out of obedience in your worship. Can you obey God in worshiping him that he is the alpha and your maker? Do you act in obedience to what he has called you to do? Or is your life about you do it and then God can follow you? Oh my God. When you tend it and you keep it, you make God first. And when you make God first, you follow after him. But what we have found ourselves in the body of Christ is that many of us, we actually go. And then as we go, we want to now tell God, it didn't work. Can you now come and fix it? It didn't work. 
Can you now come and fix it? Is God leading us? Are we following God? Or is he following after us? Tend it and keep it. Said the first man. So there are three things that the first man, when it comes to us putting off, putting off the nature and the mindset of the first man, we are putting off the failures of the first man. Say, I'm putting off the failures of the first man. You see, there are three failures that we see in the scripture that I read. One, the first failure of man, the first man, was the failure of failing the test of fellowship. Say, he failed the test of fellowship. The Bible says in verses 19 in chapter 2, it says again, that he, and I love this, it says, Out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he will call them. God creating these things had his own ability to call it into existence. But because of the fellowship he wanted to have with Adam, he created it, brought it to Adam. And Adam called it, whatever Adam called it, so it became. You didn't get me here. Whatever Adam called it, so it became. Adam did not call it by his own ability. You have to realize that at that time, there was no sin. So Adam was speaking out of God. He was speaking out of the existence of God. So whatever Adam called that very animal, it became to act exactly as it is. Because Adam was operating on the mind of God. Adam understood what God has created and knew how it ought to function. You have the ability, the first man had the ability to call things into existence. To call things into what? Existence. Had the ability to call things into what? Existence. But because of failure of the fellowship, because he failed the test of fellowship, we see that in the life that we're living today, now until you come to believe in Jesus, that grace is no longer at work. He failed the test of fellowship. Two, he failed the test of authority. In verses 20, he says whatever he called it, it came into existence. Means that Adam had authority to make everything come into existence. I want you to understand the condition of what the first man failed. He failed the fellowship. He failed his authority. And when you go to verses 11, chapter 3, verses 11, he says, and he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you... Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? And here what verses 12 says. Then the, and then the man said, The woman whom you gave me, whom you gave to me, she gave me of the tree and I ate it. The question again, Adam, may I repeat to you? He says, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? The answer really should be simple. Yes, I have eaten of it. But because Adam neglected to take ownership of the responsibility that had been given to him, he lost his authority. When we fail to take responsibility, we lose our authority. In a marriage place, as a husband, as a wife, when you fail to take responsibility, you lose your authority. Am I teaching something here to the body of Christ? Young men and young women, when you fail to take responsibility, you lose your authority. 
So Adam lost his authority. And the third test that he lost was the test of assurance. Say assurance. Verse 25 of chapter 3. It says, verse 25. No, sorry, chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 25. And it says, And they were both naked, and the man and his wife were not ashamed. Before sin, they were naked, but yet was not ashamed. There was some assurance, and I'll speak about assurance very soon before I end, that they had. They had a measure of assurance. Even in their nakedness, they were not ashamed. But the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, chapter 20 going, that we put off the old self. But when you put off the old self, you need to carry what? A renewed mind. Say to yourself, a renewed mind. The second man did these three things. The second man put off the old self, carried a renewed mind, and put on the new self. And that is where today we want to get our self-attention to. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 to 16. 1 Corinthians Chapter 2. Can we go there briefly? I read. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. The spirit searches all things. What? The deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man, of a man? Except the spirit of the man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Hear this. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from what? God. That we, may, that we might know the things that have been freely what? Given to us by what? By God. So this renewed mind gives us the ability to understand mercy. This renewed mind of God gives us the ability to translate what it means to operate and live by grace. You didn't get me here. You see, this renewed mind gives you the understanding of the things that have been freely given to you. So, you know, we are speaking about this in Bible studies about forgiveness and forgetfulness. And I came to understand one thing here. You see, if you know the mind of God, your mind does not worry about what you forget and what you don't forget. Your mind becomes occupied based on what occupies the mind of God. So, what God sees things is how you see things. What God has freely given to you is what he, you experience. So when, so, so the child of God can look at the situation and say, yeah, 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 but God will make a way. And everybody may look at you and may think you are going crazy. Why? Because you are not operating under the dimension of your own mind, but you are operating under the dimension of the mind of God. So the second man has a mind that is not dependent on the things that weighs them down. The second man has a mind that cannot be tainted by, by, by false things, by the carnal things of this world. Oh my God. We are living in time that believers believe in everything. But you see, when you have the mind of God, church, when you carry the mind of God, you see things, but you're able to speak it out. You command things because you carry the mind of God. When you are faced with challenges, you can say, yeah, this may be a challenge, but this is not my portion. This is not my portion. I said, this is not my portion. Because you are not operating under the mind of condemnation. Man can condemn you. 
But you, as long as you are carrying the mind of Jesus, the mind does not condemn you. So the Bible makes me understand what can separate me from the love of God. Why? Because my mind tells me I am not, even though man has rejected me, God still loves me. Even though I may find myself alone as a single woman, God is still my company. God is still with me. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I wish I had a church here. You see, the mind that is carnal agrees with their situation. The mind that is carnal agrees with the falsehood. When the devil comes and says, look at you. Nobody loves you. Nobody cares about you. You are worth nothing. You start to believe it. And you start to go out there and you give yourself to all sorts of men. But I came to announce to you, the mind of God, when it operates in your life, it does not matter what somebody will tell you. But what you know is what you know that my God is with me. I am not forgotten. I am not neglected because my God is still with me. The doctors can tell you this is your final destination. But the mind of God tells me, tells me, tells me by his stripes. I am healed. Oh my God. The mind of God tells me there is a healer. There is a healer. So the second man, the Bible says, put on the second man. The second man is the man that walks in victory. The second man walks in what victory. And so when the second man showed up, go to Luke chapter 4. Tell yourself, when the second man showed up, Chapter, one verse, chapter 4, verses 1, it says, Then Jesus, filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, returned from the God, the, the Jordan, um, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Say the wilderness. The second man was not found in the garden, but was found in the wilderness. But in the wilderness, the enemy thought that he had the second man. Because in the wilderness, there is nothing good here. In the wilderness, there is no joy in the wilderness. There is no peace in the wilderness. So for sure, this second man will also deny me. If, I could den if, if the first man could deny God, even having everything at his disposal, then in the wilderness, this second man would deny me. But little did the, the, the devil know that the Lord led him into the wilderness to prove a point. Ah, to prove a point. Even though they wish it meant it for evil, God meant it for good. So in the wilderness, say to yourself, in the wilderness, the Bible says, be tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the son of God, command the stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. You see, what you eat is what you become accustomed to. So when the second man was tested concerning his fellowship, little did the enemy know that he was not willing to reject his fellowship with the father because his fellowship with the father was sealed in the word. You didn't get to me here. In the beginning, the word. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the word. It means that the second man was himself the word. And the moment the second man had, if he had we, we, we gone back to turn the stone into bread, then the second man would have broken fellowship. My God, you didn't get me here. He would have broken fellowship with the father. Because what makes the second man, which is Jesus, and the father one, is because he is the word. 
So the fellowship in the word was tested. Your fellowship in the word of God will be tested. You may go through trials where the word of God, people, you know, the enemy will twist God's word. Sometimes I pray. One thing, I pray that God, let the word of God be clear to the people. As a pastor, I've been in situations where the Lord is just speaking his word. And somebody has come to me and said, Pastor, I'm leaving your church because you came to preach about me. But we pray that God will help us. That we don't break the fellowship. But we remain in the fellowship. The people of God, I, 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 am, I am encouraging you. Your fellowship is in the word. Your trials will be in the word. Your second trial will be at your place of authority. Say the place of authority. Verses 5. He said, then the devil taking him up on the high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all authority I give you. And their glory for this, he has been delivered to me. And I give it to you, to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Verses 8. And Jesus answered him and said, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Your place of, of, of authority, your place of authority is in your place of worship. When you worship God, you mount up with wings like eagle. When you worship God, you are saying, you are my Lord. It is no longer my strength, but your strength. When you worship God, you make God the absolute and nothing else. You see, the thing about why your worship is always being interrupted is because the evil one knows that the moment you mount up in your place of authority, because at your worship, every knee shall bow. At your worship, every tongue shall confess. You cannot stop your worship. You cannot neglect your worship. Your place of authority will be tested. When you are going through challenges, I worship him. You are Alpha and Omega. We worship you, our Lord. You are worthy to be praised. I don't know what is happening, but as you are worshiping, you see that things start to change. You start to mount up with some strength. You we need to understand these three tests. The test of fellowship. The enemy tried the second man and failed. He got the first man. The test of authority came. He took him to the high hills and said, all authority has been given to him. Now worship me. And that test came. And the enemy failed. And the third test, say to somebody, the third test, the third test, that is where we find ourselves sometimes, many of the times, we actually also find ourselves losing gap. The test of assurance. Assurance means fullness or abundance of confidence in whatever you believe in. Fullness or abundance means it's spread beyond measure. Assurance. So, it went on and said, Verses. Now he said, then the, 
and he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Verses 12. Then Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord, your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him unto an opportune time. I say, he departed. He departed. He said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. What is God, Jesus Christ saying here? It means that he has do not tempt the Lord. Why? You need to have an assurance. God does not need to prove himself to you. God does not need to go through a test to validate that he is God. Assurance means you believe and are accepted to him as the Lord. Means that you are assured that when it comes to him, there is no other God like him. When it comes to him, there is no other healer like him. When it comes to him, there is no other redeemer like him. Your assurance says he is able to make a way where there seems to be no way. So that no matter what I go through, I am rest assured. The test of assurance. I want to end with seven assurance of the second man. Say seven assurance of the second man. What are you assured of about this God that we serve? There are seven things I want you to hold on dearly in your life as a child of God. Say seven things. Write it down with me. I'll go through it very quickly. Let's go to Romans chapter 8 verse 34. Romans 8 34. All right. Is anybody there? He says, who is the one who condemns? Jesus is the one who died. But even more has been raised. For he also is on the right hand of the Father of God. And intercede for us. My assurance is, is that he is my intercessor. He sits on the right hand of the Father. Always pleading on my behalf. When the enemy brings condemnation, he pleads. When the enemy brings condemnation, he pleads on my behalf. Oh my God. I wish I had some people here that they knew, they had the assurance that they had a God who was their intercessor. It does not matter. That is why the Bible says the righteous can fall seven times but he get back up again. Why? Because the righteous knows that the assurance is in the Lord because he intercedes on their behalf. He intercedes on their behalf. The second assurance is the assurance of a better covenant. Hebrews chapter 8 verses 10 to 12. Can we go there? The assurance of a better covenant. Every child of God needs to be assured that you are built and planted in a better word, covenant. Chapter 10, please. Work with me fast, please, for the sake of time. No, sorry. Chapter 8, verses 10. Sorry. Thank you. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them on their heart and I will be their God and they will be my what? People. The better covenant. Say the better covenant is that God has made you his people and he has made you and he is oh, you are, his what? Your God. The better covenant through his son Jesus. 
when you get time, continue to read verses 11 and 12. The second assurance is that we are, our assurance is that he is our high priest. Hebrews chapter 9 verses 11 to 14. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read all of them. Hebrews chapter 9 verses 11 to 14. We are assured that we have a higher priest. That is a far better higher priest. Now the Messiah has appeared. A high priest of the good things that have to come. In the greater and more perfect tabernacle. Not made with hands. He entered the holy holiest once for all. Say once for all. Means what Jesus Christ did. It was no room to repeat it. It was one for all. The assurance of my high priest is that whatever he did once, he did it once for all. If God says, I've taken away your sins, he's taking it away for good. I say for good. The, the fourth thing is the assurance of a helper. Hebrews chapter 13 verses 6. And Psalm 124 verses 8 and Isaiah 41 verses 13. But Hebrews 13 verses 6. I want you to go there briefly for me. Therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? I am assured that God is my helper. Nothing can man do against me. I wish you had that assurance here with you today. If you have the assurance that God is your helper. Hey. There was a question of Bible studies about if somebody takes you to court. If God is your helper, what can man do against you? If God is your helper, let them say all they want to say. I am assured that he is my helper. I have assurance in his helping grace. Oh my God. Fifth, the assurance that he is our teacher. John chapter 14 verse 26. That when the spirit of truth comes, he will teach you all truth. When you get there, read it when you go home. Number six, the assurance of life. First John chapter 5 verse 12. I want to read that quickly. First John chapter 5 verse 12. The one who has the son has what? Has what? Has what? If you have Jesus, you have life. If you have Jesus, you have life. And the last seventh assurance. These are key things that you need to know. Why your assurance is in Jesus. The last thing. I have the assurance that he is my mediator. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 6. Take me there please. And you can also read chapter 9 verses 15. And 1 John chapter 2 verses 1. But Jesus has now obtained a superior ministry. A superior what? Ministry. What is that ministry? That to that degree, he is the mediator of a better covenant. Which has been legally enacted on a better promise. There is a difference from an intercessor and an mediator. An intercessor pleads on your behalf. Concerning the penalties that are charged against you. But a mediator, a mediator, I say a mediator, your assurance in a mediator, knowing that Jesus is your mediator. Hey, do you know what a mediator is? Do you know what a mediator is, my brothers and sisters? He's not only just pleading for the guilt, but he stands in. He stands in that bridge to be the connector of God. And the connector of humanity. Jesus Christ, our mediator. And because of Jesus, our mediator. You don't get it here. Maybe, do, you, do you know what I'm talking about, a mediator? Elder, join me here. 
And I could, and I could join me here, please. Join me. I'm ending. I'm ending. Our time is gone. I'm ending here. Edda, please. I, I ask. Join me here. Oh, yeah. You are in the word. I know. Get here. Get here. Edda Kojo represents God. Edda Patrick represents humanity. When a mediator is at work in your life, when God declares a word, he doesn't declare it because of your ability. He declares it because of this Jesus. So when God is speaking about Kojo's promises and Kojo's blessings and, 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 and Patrick's future, God is pronouncing and declaring the word that he has already said about his son. And that word is now his portion. That word is now his portion. That is how a mediator works. When God stands in and God, Jesus Christ, stands as your mediator, it is no longer about the things that you have done. Because what happens now, it says, that whatever you ask in my name, he will do it. Why? Because he stands as the mediator. He stands as the connector to your blessings. He stands as the connector to your blessings and your grace. He stands as the connector to your healing. Oh my God. In Jesus, you are healed. You didn't get me here. In Jesus, by his stripes, you are healed. In Jesus, you are healed. Where did it begin from? The Father declared Jesus Christ to be a healer. He made him poor so that you shall become rich. What am I saying here? The blessings and the riches of the Father had to be released. But when he came forth, because he's a mediator, he had to subject himself to the place of poverty so that at the end of the day, everything that the Father has declared forth, he can take hold of it and give it to you. You have the ability to receive everything of the Father. He says that what can come against me and God? Why? Because God is, Jesus Christ is your mediator. When you have the assurance that you have a mediator, it doesn't matter what you may go through in life. It doesn't matter your past. Because your mediator changes all things and releases the blessings of the Father into your life. So when God sees him, he sees his son Jesus. He doesn't see his weakness. He doesn't see his shortcomings. He doesn't see all the things that he did yesterday. He sees his son. Why? Because you have put on the second man. Church, rise on your feet. Tell your neighbor, put on the second man. Put on the second man. If God be for me, what can be against me? If God be for me, what can be against me? Because in the place of the second man, it doesn't matter what may go through your life. It doesn't matter what your children may be experiencing. It doesn't matter what your husband or your wife may be doing. But if God is your mediator, if God is your mediator, lift up your voice of prayer and lift up your voice to God and give your life unto Jesus and say, Father, my assurance is in you, O Lord. You are my intercessor. You are a better covenant. You are a better covenant. You are my high priest. You are my helper. You are my helper and my teacher. You are my life, O oh God, and my mediator, O oh God. I thank you this day, O oh God, that you are a better mediator. You are my mediator. In the name of Jesus, I honor your name above every name. Trust and obey. For there is no other way. To be happy in Jesus, but, but to trust, trust and obey. Trust and Fellowship. obey. Authority and assurance of the second man. To be happy in Jesus. Jesus. But to trust and obey.
The second man. The second man was victorious. And so you are victorious. Don't let anything break your fellowship with Jesus. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Don't let nothing. Don't trade away your authority of worship. Worship the Lord with all your heart. Serve him with everything that is within you. And have the assurance that he is God. He is God. Father, we thank you for your word. As you have spoken, so we receive. Let it be life. Let it be the evidence of our salvation. Let it be the truth that we walk by. That in you, Christ Jesus, is our life. We thank you for an answer prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'll give glory to Jesus. I'll give glory to Jesus. It's time for our tithes and our offering. It's time for our tithes and our offering. Amen. Because you are a child of God, be faithful to what God has given to you. Amen. I said be faithful. There's this a new year. And I came to just challenge the church today. Be faithful. Hallelujah. Say to yourself, I am faithful. I am faithful. Amen. It is necessary that one of the things we should aim after always is that place of faithfulness. Let's receive our praise leader. Amen. If you have your tithes and your offering, please, if you can stand up.